Blog Talk Radio. This episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio is brought to you by Gamers Inn, where adventure begins. Check out their website at gamersinlehigh.com. Broadcasting live from the DCR studio. Oh, yeah! The Geek Revolution starts here. Excellent! Get ready for the number one hit geek radio show out there. Well, it is impressive, isn't it? Because it's time for Dungeon Crawlers Radio. All right, that's right. Welcome to another exciting episode of Dungeon Crawlers Radio. Uh, some of us have survived the horrible mutant plague of uh, last week. Uh, others are excited to be back. So uh, we got a great show tonight. And as always, we are broadcasting live from Gamers Inn in Lehigh, Utah. So that is Gamers Inn, you know, I-N-N, not in Lehigh. But uh, yeah, apparently some people have been uh, confusing that. So we just want to uh, give a shout out to Gamers In and let the kind of clarify that. And not only that, they've got some great tournaments uh, going on next week on the 16th, 18th, and 20th. Uh, the Splendor tournament on the 16th and 18th. That's at 7 p.m. and then on the 20th at 1 p.m. Uh, so one in the afternoon. Each of the winners uh, will compete, and the final on Saturday, June 20th at 3 p.m. So grand prize is a Splendor play mat. And the winners of each night will get a set of premium gem tokens. So uh, if you're interested in that, uh, go ahead and uh, come down to Gamers Inn, sign up, and uh, begin uh, having some fun there. So uh, with that, uh, we've got everyone here. We've got uh, Scotty and Savard calling in. Correct? Yeah. All right, they're here. So uh, we've got a lot of really cool stuff to talk about. We've got a great guest coming on this evening. We've got Peter Arulian. Coming on talking about his new book, uh, Trial of Intentions, which is actually the next, the second book in the series, uh, which is the Vault of Heaven series. So we'll be talking to him. And uh, Peter uh, has a very unique magic system, and we'll we'll talk more about that when we get him on to talk about it. Uh, plus, I mean, there's there's been a lot that's happened over the last two weeks that we haven't really been able to get the opportunity to talk about. Um, but one thing I do want to throw out there is next week, uh, which will be the what is it the 18th, 19th? What what is next Thursday? 18th. My brain 18th. is the 18th. We will be actually broadcasting live from uh, Jordan Commons and the Film Quest Film Festival, uh, talking with Jonathan Martin, the man that's putting that uh, on, as well as Josh Patel uh, of FantasyCon, and talking with them about. The magic that goes on and the hours and hours uh, that it takes to put this uh, film festival together. Probably be able to have the opportunity to talk to some of the, you know, the people that put the films together, some actors or, or even the directors and stuff like that. So it'll be lots of fun. Very exciting. Uh, if you haven't already parti- uh, picked up your tickets and want to participate in this film festival, run down to Jordan Commons or even go to filmquest.com and uh, purchase your tickets. 
it's something that you definitely won't want to miss. I remember uh, watching a few of these films from last year, and some of them were pretty dang amazing. Yeah. I mean, these are these people definitely have a lot of passion uh, for the craft, and and they actually had some pretty decent a- actors and actresses in them. Yeah. Um, you know, the one that completely stands out is one of my favorites. Actually, had uh, Amy Smart in it. And Doug Jones, wow. and it was it was really creepy. I mean, you thought there was this really horrible monster that was out to get this family and this mom and her kids, and then they throw the twist in at the very end that it's actually the mom that's killing everyone. That oh, she's nice. actually suffering from some you know mental illness, and she's actually seeing this the this monster, and so she's trying to attack the monster, but unfortunately. You know, and the monster has got its hands wrapped around the the little girl, and the mom is attacking well the little girl. Unfortunately, you don't see that on camera. You just see the monster, and then she goes to swing, and then you know you, there's this cut scene where you see the hallway and you see the pictures where there's this big this happy family with a husband and two children, and then and then that, it goes down a little bit further, and then you see no husband. There's just the two children. And then it goes down a little bit more. And there's this one child and the mom, and, and yeah, so it really creepy, uh, and one amazing twist because you're like, oh, all right, we're gonna see this mom go after this monster, and nope, she's the monster, sort of. Wow. Yeah. Well, on a lighter note. Um, yes. This year we're actually in the fantasy category. Nice. For um, broken, broken souls. souls. Yeah. And so we were looking at all the fan films, and there's this one Pirates of the Caribbean fan film. It is absolutely amazing. They have a ship. Like, it, it basically fills in what happened when um, Captain Jack was left on the island. Yeah. And so it's it's absolutely hilarious. If you can get to the site, check it out. It's it's amazing. Like, I, I'm pretty sure. I know it was done. It may be a Spanish film. I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. But it is a foreign film. Yeah. But it's so good. That, and that's the other thing is, you know, even though this is their second year, they've gotten... Oh, even their first year, they've got they received hundreds of submissions, and the second year they got even more. And yeah. these are from around the world. They're just not you know down the street or uh, you know local guys or just within the you know the, the Mountain West area. I mean, these are people all over the world that are submitting. Yeah, I talked uh, to Jonathan a couple of weeks ago, and uh, he was actually seeing Mad Max, and he was like, he told us he was taking a break because he was literally watching hundreds of films yeah. back to back. And, like, I just, I can't imagine. I mean, you know, there's got to be some amazing films. You know, there's got to be some rough ones, too. But <laughs> yeah. but just watching hundreds of films for days, it, it just just that in itself is, is a huge it's gonna be It is. And they've got some really good uh, ce- celebrity judges this year. Wow. Um, they will be going through that as well. And I have to say, props to them, because that's, going to be a tough thing to go through all of those submissions Incredible. and i'm pretty sure you know the the film festival is kind of narrowed it down a little bit for him, or maybe not i don't know i don't know how we'll have to ask jonathan how that goes um man, the process because the trophy is oh amazing and so deadly um i have actually held it in my hand <laughs> it, is a, it is a beautiful beautiful uh rendition uh, of cthulhu yes uh giant wings claws and everything but man, those those points on those wings and those claws are so sharp that it could take an <laughs> eye out. Um, 
honestly, you know, and I've seen all the different types of awards. You know, there's the Golden Globe, there's right. the Tony, there's the, the Oscar. This is the, the coolest, coolest. <laughs> and most detailed trophy I've ever seen. Yeah, he took a um, lot of pride in it. He yeah, said he didn't want something that someone would go, "Oh, cool, another trophy." He wanted something that people were literally gonna. Yeah. Strangle each other to try Well, and I think that's why they've gotten so many more submissions this year is because people saw that and they're like, oh, my gosh, that's the actually a cool trophy. trophy. I want that. Um, because, I mean, look at the Oscar. It's really just some weird dude that doesn't have any detail yeah, just kind of standing there. Standing there. You know, this, you got this, you know, you got Cthulhu terrifying. that's going to yeah. jump out of it and so consume your soul or yeah. something. <laughs> so, yeah. So that's going to be exciting next year. I'm I'm super stoked. So... Um, well, we got some time while we're waiting for Peter. Uh, some some kind of tragic news, yeah. I guess. Uh, and it's it's kind of one of those ones that's a, it's kind of a huge loss. Um, you know, I remember watching uh, Christopher Lee, Sir Christopher Lee, way back in like the times uh, when I was a young kid because. Had family members watching the old Dark Shadow right. episodes, you know, black and white, you know, and he is a vampire, and and that's one thing that he has always played a villain. Right. He has never played the good guy, no matter what role he has played. He has always been the villain, uh, but he's always played an amazing villain. I, I was, you know, not only that, uh, you know, he's been Count Dooku, he's been uh, Sauron. Yeah, Sauron. Okay, guys. Yeah, I, I, I'm. Yeah, my my tongue's getting tied here. Saruman. Yeah, Saruman, the white. Um, that you know that even going so far as he was Willy Wonka's father in yeah. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. He was decent in that film. But he even then, nice he, he was the villain, though. Yeah, he was. Even though he was just the dentist right. and you know Willy Wonka's dad, he was still kind of the villain in the story. Um. And there's so many other things that he's been in. Uh, almost every Tim Burton movie yeah. imaginable, he's either at, been in it or voiced, voiced in it. it yeah. um, he just has that voice that just he does. You hear amazing. it and you know it's him yeah. automatically. So, uh, 93 years old, definitely lived a very long life. Um, and I think, if I'm not mistaking, his last project was you know the Hobbit movies. Yeah. Um, not a huge part in there, but still uh, a part. And he definitely made a, a, an everlasting impression uh, in film and TV, um, I would say, for decades, if not centuries to come. So I I just I can't see anyone that could ever replace that character. No. Or any of the characters he's ever done. Um, or his voice. Or definitely. I mean, his voice. Uh, he, he reminds me, his voice in that is like Vincent Price. I mean, just one of those voices that you hear, and it's just like, you know, you get the chills down yeah, your back, and it's like, oh, my gosh. In, yep. You know, that pure voice of villain. I mean, how many times have you ever, you know, on Halloween, you're listening to the radio, and Thriller comes on, and that monologue that Vincent Price gives, mm-hmm. or even the laugh at the very end, and it's like, oh, it still gives me the chills. And, you know, and Christopher Lee's voice is the same way. So I don't know. You guys have anything else to to throw out there and say on that? Uh, love you, miss you, man. Yeah, big salute. Yeah, I mean Count Dooku. Yeah, I know. I told my son this morning. He's five years old, and yeah. he knew who he was, and he was absolutely devastated. Yeah. You know, he's just 
he I mean there's that little bit of hope that you you hope that he's going to make it as Count Dooku somewhere somewhere in the future, you know, and then it's just kind of gone. I think that's what he was the most upset about is that he knew he would never get to see him play this role again. Yeah. And so it, it is sad and it's he's such a huge part of anyone's childhood no matter what genre of movie you like, you know, he's been there. He's been in something that you love. And yeah. so it's 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 a it's a great loss. It's a sad day. Well, I, you know, it is a great loss, but at the same time, man, has he led an amazing life? I can't ninety three years old. I mean, that's still that's a huge acting at ninety ninety two. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's inc- he must have really loved loved what he did because yeah. I can tell you, I would be on vacation <laughs> with my family or you know traveling around the world at that point. I would say, okay, I've given you enough. Now it's my turn. But no, he loved what he did, and he kept doing it, you know? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, you know, another huge actor uh, that played a huge part of my life, um, you know, Sean Connery. Right. Amazing actor. I mean, I'm sure people still count him as one of the sexiest men in the world, uh, most women out there do, even though he is in his 90s. Uh, but he, you know, he quit acting. Yeah, he did. I mean, he eventually he said, okay, he, he retired. Yeah. You know, and, you know, look at, like, Ian McKellen or uh, you know right. Patrick Stewart, they're I mean they're what in their seventies. Yeah, I think not quite as old. they're not quite as old, but they're still. I mean they're going strong now. Right. It, yeah, and, it, 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 Patrick Stewart's doing even more acting right now. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, both of them are, um, and it's just it's it's really interesting to see you know these older guys that just have so and they're not just doing films they're also doing Broadway and. Right. Uh, things like that. So it just it's really interesting to see uh, how these guys are kind of picking up. I love that they're all genre fantasy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. These fantasy actors, they get to so, go wild. I, I'm just kind of pulling up Christopher Lee real quickly um, so I can get all the, those, the all list those of the movies. Franchise. He was in uh, a Dracula. Yeah, I mean, yeah, clear back in like 1953, he was Dracula. I mean, he even acted with, like, I think, was it uh, Boris Karloff as well? Hold on. Let me just, I'm pulling this up. So, actually, there's actually a couple more movies that are actually, that are in pre-production. I don't know if he was in, it looks like he was planning to be in The 11th, so I don't know if that's going to happen. Um, Extraordinary Tales, he did a voice for, for this year, so that's probably going to be coming out a little bit later. And then uh, there's, like, an Angels in Notting Hill which is completed but hasn't come out. But the last one that actually re- released was, you know, the Battle of Five Armies. Um, he actually did voice work for Lego The Hobbit, the video game. Wow. I mean, there, I mean, it's such an impressive list. list. I mean, you're just going to IMDb, and you're going to be scrolling for quite some time. Uh, that little, I mean, little scroll bar is real small next to his related titles. Yeah, let's see. I'm I'm going all the way back. It looks like... His first acting job that he showed up in something was a TV series called Kaleidoscope that was in 1946. Wow. I mean, that's over 50 years of acting um, from him. And there are so many things. So if you're a fan, go go there. Go to IMDb. Look at some of the stuff he's done. Check it out. Uh, a lot of great stuff. I'm sure there's some... You know, hit and miss items in there as well. But all right, well, with that said, let's um, trying to 
pull up here and see where we are with Peter. I've not seen him call in as of yet. Um, so, uh, is there any other geek items, geek news items you guys want to talk about real quick? Now that we're kind of passing the baton while I'm trying to find Peter's contact information. Well, just a reminder, E3's next week for all the gaming guys. Really excited about that. Kicks off on Sunday with Bethesda doing their press conference. And then basically Monday through Wednesday, everybody else is jumping in from Microsoft to Sony to EA to Square Enix to Nintendo. I think there's a couple others I might be missing, but there's a lot of them this year. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, Oculus Rift had their uh, press conference today, and they are announcing that it's ready to come out. It should be out the first quarter of 2016. Uh, they introduced new controllers for it yeah. that actually will uh, be able to monitor your hands, so it will show up in virtual reality where your hands are pointing. And it also will be linked up to your... Uh, It'll be able to play Xbox One games being streamed through your PC using Windows 10. So that was kind of a cool little feature that they threw in that nobody knew about. Wow. Uh, I got, uh, let's see here, the Punisher has been chosen for Daredevil Season 2. Yeah, they like saw that. It's going to be John Bernthal, the guy from Walking Dead. Yeah, the guy that plays Shane. Yeah, uh, I think I think he's going to be a perfect Punisher. I think it's a great casting. He's got the look, he's got the build, and he's kind of got you know the accent that's normally been typically associated with uh, the Punisher. I think he'll, he'll do a great job, uh, especially with who they have managing and ca- and directing that show. I think. Uh, it's going to be really interesting incorporating the Punisher into Daredevil. Yeah. Um, I'm very interested to see how they're going to do that. But now the question is, is he going to be a recurring character or is he going to be a guest character that shows up every now and then? Um, Probably be a character that shows up and then gets his own show in a couple of years. Uh, yeah. I, 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 we could see. You know and that's mean? kind of what Walking happened. That's coming to an end. Yeah, you know? it is. And that's kind of what happened with, like, The Flash. You know, yeah. he made an appearance on the Arrow, and then whoop, he's got his own show. Right. Um, and that might be what they're trying to do is try to test the waters to see, see how people like see it how respond. they re- respond and react. And because that could, be a, that could be a really good show. Because yeah. um, Punisher on the big screen is just not working out. Let's see if we can what we can do with TV. It's, so, it's a uh, tough character. It is. Yeah. It's a tough character. It's kind of like Green... Green Lantern, like we kind of discussed, it's one of those that would make a great, you know, Space Cop buddy right. uh, TV series. But as a as a whole, so far, it hasn't been able to hold its own as a movie. Well, I don't know if you remember us There's talking about it, but uh, Tom Hardy was actually wanting to be the Punisher. Yeah, and so it makes me feel like if he's kind of wanting to be the Punisher, that there is another movie coming out very soon, um, or at least in the next couple of years. And so I'm wondering what they're going to decide, whether they're going to do the TV show route, they're going to do the movie route, or, you know, maybe even both. Yeah. Well, I, it's kind of interesting that, uh, I don't know if you guys saw kind of the, the notice or, or that um, San Diego Comic, or with San Diego Comic-Con, 
Marvel will not be showing up at San Diego Comic Con this year. What? They're saying that because they can't. They're saying. And whether this is true or not, 100%, this is something that's kind of floating over Facebook today. They're saying that they're not showing up because they can't compete with DC. Oh, that's got to be such crap. I'm so I, I don't I don't know. <laughs> it, it's kind of interesting. So the question is, is, does DC have something really amazing under their their sleeve that they're going to be unveiling at Yeah, but Comic-Con? like last week, Marvel announced that with ABC, they're dropping three TV spots uh, shows. One's Miss Marvel, one's Cloak and Dagger, and they're doing a pre-sequel to the Hulk on the small screen, they say. Oh, I really hope they don't do Cloak and Dagger. That is a horrible, horrible comic. <laughs> horrible. At the same time, they also announced that Netflix executives are toying with the idea of bringing out um, Ghost Rider, The Punisher, and Blade. Blade, I... I dig. Blade. Cool. I would love Blade. Okay. I know so. the vampire thing's overdone, but I would well, love... Well, here's the problem. Blade, is a, they've already tried it as a TV series. It's going to fail. Oh. It, it's been done before. It's going to fail because every vampires have been overdone. We've seen all the movies. True. Although I it's, love The Strain. The Strain is amazing. Yeah. It's, it's just they need hold off. If they can yeah. hold off a couple years, let the vampire thing die down and bring it back, maybe. Years, maybe. Um, maybe. Miss uh, Marvel, that's, that's it depends on who they have casted and, and it's it's almost like Wonder Woman. I mean, they can put together a pilot, but I don't know we how successful. About, um, I think Charlize Theron. I think that's who they mentioned. I know that's who the, how, who they want. Right. Um, I, don't I don't see even, her doing TV though. I don't see her doing TV for one, and two, I don't think she could pull it off. That's my opinion. Um. So I don't know. Uh, and Marvel doesn't have a great does not have a great track record traditional TV. No. Netflix, yeah, but however, last three were for Netflix. And well, after watching Daredevil, they well, could go the dark side with all three of those and do pretty good. You know, I feel like Netflix is going to become the new HBO because people are going to be able to get away with a lot more on Netflix than they are on regular television. Mm -hmm. And so I think, I don't know, I mean, Marvel with DC was amazing, um, but if DC doesn't switch over to Netflix soon... See, here's here's a couple things, problems I foresee uh, with the Netflix model. Uh, It is great that we're getting everything... Um, there's not as much restrictions right. with it based on traditional TV. This is where I see the problem is binge-watching. Everyone's going to watch all 14, 20 episodes that come out in two days. In two days. Yep. And then they have to wait an entire year. And so people are going to get burnt out of the wait. Now, I do know Netflix is kind of testing something. There's a new uh, show that they have on there. I can't remember it. But they are distributing each show per week. Yeah. So we might be they they may change that format and with their own TV series if they do that I think we won't have that problem. Well, there'll be a little bit more success. Well, you won't another have that problem. problem. Yeah, you have control. Well, yeah, I was going <laughs> to say another problem is is it's rumored that Netflix is going to start testing commercials in their oh, TV. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. They make money off yeah. of it somehow. It sucks, but, I mean, that's No, they're, they're, it's going to be throughout their... Uh, their personal not, program? Yes, their oh, personal okay. program. It's going to be throughout their personal program. It's not going to be tagged at the end or the beginning. It's going to be throughout it, just like a normal television right. show. 
I guarantee you if they do that, people are going to revolt. And well, I, and I know they're wanting to try to make money. Um, who will get who gets away with it? Well, see, the, the problem is that's why most people don't or hate Hulu. That's why yeah. I hate Hulu is because of the commercials. If I'm going to some a streaming service and paying for it, I don't want commercials. Right. That's the one thing I hated. We uh, we paid for Hulu Plus, and it didn't change anything. I still yeah. got commercials, and the only thing is yep. I got maybe one or two extra episodes earlier, and it, instead of waiting, and so it was not worth it in any way, shape, or form. Um, and then sometimes the episodes aren't even on the tele. You still have to watch them on your laptop. Yeah. They have they keep they withhold yep. episodes. Well, my thing is, you know, I agree with you. At the same time, though, I mean, Game of Thrones, people that don't have HBO, that's exactly what happens. They wait till the season comes out, and then they binge watch it. True, but the thing now with with HBO is they have their own subscription uh, channel, streaming subscription. That is true. So they're kind of bypassing the cable network now and saying, hey, you can catch us streaming. Um, Pay for it, and then you catch all of our movies and shows, which is a good move. And and eventually, don't get me wrong, I do believe that's where things are going to move, honestly. Uh, Comcast is looking at moving to a la carte, so you can pick all the TV stations that you want and then not have to worry about the rest. The problem is is they cost so much per channel or whatever. Yeah, well, to be honest, I say five, six years, we probably won't have to worry about Comcast. Or any, yeah, I agree. Um, Well, change it to the a la carte system and it will work. You can change it to that, but the problem is you're still going to run into the same business practices that Comcast is, you know, famous for, where things go well for a few months and then it goes Your to crap Your bill be sky high. Your bill <laughs> rockets up. You spend time calling in, working that out. It, yeah, um, I mean, it's not the first time they've been tagged for stuff like that either. Right. So. I will say that no matter what, that is the good thing about Hulu and Netflix. I never have to worry about weird charges. And I don't know. I I think Netflix and Hulu is probably the future. And like you said, the pick and choose. HBO now has their own thing going on. It's only a matter of time before Showtime and all these other channels as and well. WWE has their own. Yeah. They were the first. Yeah. That's just awful. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but well, they're like the best. They're like the best actors out there. Oh, the yeah. Because you can't tell it's not real. <laughs> yeah. Well. It's real. It's real. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. So, can we talk about... Oh, for one, today's the big day. Jurassic Park. Yes. I want to go right. see it. I'm going to see it after this. I I'm know. So excited. And I was also uh, excited to find out there is way more practical effects than the previews are letting on. It's like, even though it looks kind of like 1090 in the previews, it's actually going to be like 50-50. I'm super excited about that. Because that's where the magic came from in the first one. Um, there's an HBO first look on that's been on like for the last week, and it showed some of the actual animatronics and robots. and it, it, They look incredible. I'm really excited to see. Because I'm going to be honest, the CG didn't look great. I've been watching... The last three Jurassic Park. The first one, the CG looks better to me in the first one than it does in the previews for the new one. But we'll see. I'm excited to know that there's more animatronics than the previews we're letting on. Yeah. Um, 
it, it, it's a tough call. It's Jurassic. It's Jurassic Park, <laughs> which you know all of us have seen. We love. Yes, it's yes. dinosaurs. Who doesn't love giant dinosaurs? Yep. Um, it is Michael Crichton, yes. which has done a great job. And they had, you know, even the past ones, the ones you haven't liked, they're still good. Well, you yeah, know. they're they're watchable. They're watchable. Yep. Um, the first, excellent. The first one, I I like the first one, the and the third one. The second one. That's what I. It's, it's annoying, dare say. The second one, I felt like they were pushing. Yeah. You, you can definitely tell that it wasn't a solid sequel. It was still fun. I really like Jeff Goldblum's character. Um, he does an yeah. amazing job. He could push yeah. a broom, middle of a yeah. room, and I would love his character. Um, but <laughs> I really feel like there was something missing from the movie, um, as well as the story. Uh, so I'm. You know, I'm hoping that the fourth one isn't, you know, it's not like the Indiana Jones theme where you got the first one's good, the second one's eh, you know, the third one's good, and then the fourth one's eh. Well, no, from what I'm reading, it's not, I've been reading reviews, and I know I shouldn't do that because that's, that's how you get yourself into mental trouble mm-hmm. when going into a film, but I have read it's not as good as the first Jurassic Park, which what could be, but it is better than the second and the third. And that's okay. what I'm hearing from everyone. Well, and the, the the thing that they're competing with with the first Jurassic Park is yeah. the amazement. Well, yeah, I mean, it yeah, was, the wow factor. Yeah. It was yeah. it was the wow factor because we had never seen dinosaurs done in that scale or people running around with dinosaurs because when we did, it was all like claymation right. stop animation stuff, and it just was it yeah. you could tell this looked like wow people walked out into a field and there's dinosaurs walking yeah, around. Yeah, no, it. really. Um, but I think it could be pulled off really well. And, I, you know, first off, they've got a great cast. Yes. They, they do. really do. Um, so we can talk more about this. It looks like we've, we've got our, our guest Woo! going in. And yeah. uh, we'll talk more. Hey, thanks for calling in Dungeon Callers Radio. Is this Peter? It is. I apologize for my tardiness. Oh, don't worry about it. I I've, was just worried that we had... Lost something, but yeah, you know, welcome to the show. Thanks for calling in tonight. No, thanks for having me. How are things going? Oh, you know, I'm one of those guys, one of those writers who um still has a day job. So that's uh literally just walked in from work. Some days are um just crazier than others. So yeah, but other no than problem. that, things are good. Cool. You know, so how is it? I have to ask the question with balancing the day job with writing, because that has to be difficult. You know, I've, I have several friends that have gone through that and have been lucky enough to be able to say adios to the day job, but it still seems like it, that has to be a difficult balance. Yeah, you know, uh, I can't speak for all writers, of course, but for me, um, after a, a, a day at the office, I don't really have, you know, I don't have anything left to give to the creative process um, besides the fact that I've got kids and they're now in extracurricular activities. So it means for me um, doing all the writing before I go to work, uh, which means getting up really early. And so, you know, it's a long day. Um, uh, It's, it's tough to balance. I I won't lie to you, but I guess if you want it bad enough, you keep, you keep plugging away at the writing wherever you can. Nice. All right. Well, we've got some some questions for you. Hope you don't mind. But 
you know, yeah. for our listeners out there that don't really know who you are yet, um, you know, who is, you know, Peter Arulian? I mean, I guess that's a really good question to start off with. Sure. Well, um, as we established, I'm a working bloke. Um, I work at Microsoft for Xbox uh, doing marketing. And um, then with what time I can sort of carve out, I write. I've got an epic fantasy series being published by Tor Books right now. Uh, and then the other thing I'm really passionate about is music. Um, I'm, uh, I've, I've had the good fortune to tour um, with some bands internationally. Um, I'm still pretty active musically. Um, I like all genres of music. Uh, mostly, though, the stuff that I write and perform um, falls in the category of hard rock or heavy metal. Um, and, yeah, that's uh, those are kind of the big broad strokes, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's pretty. That's a pretty epic, uh, you know, day job working for Xbox. Yeah. So wow. <laughs> well, it's um, you know, I, there's a lot of things I could do that I would like less. Let's put it that way. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. But yeah, I get to, I get to um, you know, we're just to go into E3 next week. Um, we've got yeah. some really big announcements coming. Um. It's, so it's fun. There's sometimes you do kind of pause and realize that you're getting to participate and plan uh, with things that are pretty momentous, at least in the world of gaming, that you know are gonna that a lot of gamers are gonna just love once we finally release them. So you know, every once in a while, there's that meta moment where you're like, "Wow, this is pretty cool." <laughs> yeah, I would say that's just that talk is. right now, Val. It isn't that it? it's like pausing everything you say and. <laughs> Speaking very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's. I gotta be sure I don't um, let the cat out of the bag. Yeah, I'm <laughs> excited for next week. You can week. if you want. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I tune in on tune into our our press briefing on Monday. There's some good surprises. Absolutely. Nice. Sounds fun. Now, Charles- we heard the news today with the Oculus Rift. Uh, coming to be supported with Xbox. So that was exciting. Yeah. You know, the one of the, the hazards of, of you know, ha- having this bounty of, of things to announce is we wind up kind of having this, this rolling set of, um, you know, announcements or press releases or, are moments where we executives share the, the information. It used to be we'd kind of pack it all into our press briefing, um, but it's just gotten to the point where there's so much to talk about that um, we start with announcements a lot of times a week before, um, and then there's the press briefing itself, which is these days live telecast, usually on Spike TV, and then all week, you know, there's we kind of have to parcel it out. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so thus thus you get, you know, week before E three we make announcements like we did today, which is pretty cool. I have, I have a really weird question for you. Working in Xbox sure. does anything you see there on a daily basis, has it ever or does it inspire anything you write when it comes to writing? Like is there anything that you know, Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> I don't no, no, that's it's a good really good question. I don't think it has. Um I have friends who work in narrative design uh, for games, 
And I've had conversations with them that are really interesting around they're creative types, and, and, and many of them are, are writers on the side. And so there's this interesting um, maybe quandary they, they wind up in where if they're being paid to be creative and to conceive of interesting things for um, game IP, mm-hmm. and, you know, you, being human, you probably at times are creating super cool stuff that you're thinking, man, that would be great in my own book. Oh, I agree. Uh, but right, and so um, you know, the, the, those these writers who are doing this narrative design work, um, they, you know, they have to work through that. They're they're paid on the one hand to create a bunch of really original stuff for IP, um, but if they have a, a a a side desire to write and publish their own original fiction, you know, um, the balance between some of these these things that they'll just come up with how and where they use them. And um right. yeah, I mean just to put a fine point on it, you can instinctively if someone's getting paid peanuts, you can imagine maybe some of the cooler ideas are things that um wind up in their own books. <laughs> right. Um <laughs> you know, I I I don't know of any examples of that, but I just I know if someone was paying me 10 bucks an hour to create all of the greatest stuff for the next game um there'd be a temptation if i came up with like groundbreaking I- fiction ideas uh to right. hold back on some of that stuff yeah, yeah so it I seems like it could be the, frustrating yeah yeah i, I admire the, the writers who do it because you know i think they they really are in it for the game you know to really build these yeah. rich experiences for for gamers um but for my for my own stuff um you know i'm in marketing so I get to see a lot of things, um, but the the for instance with the fantasy series I'm doing, a lot of the a lot of the world building and magic system development and all that stuff is that work's already done. So a lot of the the things that are that maybe akin to the technology and advancements I see at work, um, uh, they maybe don't really inspire something that's going to impact the book because I'm really now it's really more about sort of the character evolution. Uh, with this with the series nice let's let's talk about the ser- your series a little bit so trial of intentions is the the second book in the vault of heavens series which um so how would you introduce you know the series to someone that's never read it um, that's a really good question too because when i started um with the series, I had this idea that I, because I adored the the genre so much, that I thought, what if I write a series where at the beginning I ground readers in what's familiar, um, also called conventions of fantasy, also called tropes of fantasy. What if I I go ahead and trade on those things, um, but with the with the idea that I'll deliberately evolve or twist them towards you know, what I think is unique or new about the story that I want to tell. Uh, because, you know, fantasy has been popularized and more main, become more mainstream with things like Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings, Peter Jackson films. Um, and so a reader could approach it and, and feel um, familiar with some of the things. And then later, like, like a crab dropped into a pot 
of you know room temperature water that is then slowly boiled, they just kind of um, acclimate as you know the pressure or the the heat intensifies. That was the idea I had. So the first book kind of does that. Um, and by the time you get to the end of it, um, some of the expectations you've had have started to be violated. You're like, okay, well, it's not exactly what I thought. And in Trial of Intentions, which is book two, that really, um, those conventions of the genre really, really get flipped on you a lot. Um, so genre readers who've read a lot of genre um, are going to, when they read it, they're going to be like, oh, okay, this isn't, things really weren't what they seem. Um, seemed to be in the first book. But I also, there was there's a long story around um, why there was so many years between books one and two that we may or may not have time for. Um, but the short the short thing I like to tell people is because of that delta between the two books, I deliberately wrote Trial of Intentions as an entry point to the series. So people who've never read any of my work um, can start the journey with me with Trial of Intentions if they want to. Oh, nice. That's that's really cool. Uh, there's, I mean, there's several series where I've read where you jump into the second book and you're like, oh man, I gotta go read the first one. You have to put it down and then go back. So that's really nice. <laughs> it's kind of a good starting point. Yeah, it is. Hmm. Now, one thing that I I found really interesting in the book is your magic system. Uh, it's based. Uh, around music and sound, which is kind of unique. I mean, most magic systems aren't that way. So what? where did that idea come from? Well, you know, when I was doing the world building, um, I, I had this notion that I wanted magic grounded in something I decided to call governing dynamics, um, very much like mechanical law in our world. So things like gravity and magnetism and mm-hmm. Uh, the governing dynamic that I sort of established principally in my series, I call resonance. Now, resonance is a mechanical idea for with acoustics. It, you know, it's this notion that um, almost anything, if you know, if you find the right signature of of the entity or its vibration, can be made to, you know, to move or even crumble and be destroyed. You know, it's the classic example is the um, you know, the wine glass that the opera singer can shatter if they hit the right note, right? Because music, after all, is um, a set of vibrations. And so I started with this idea of resonance. And then I said, look, in a, in a, in a great big wide world, um, different cultures would probably tap into that, um, into resonance in different ways. Like they would discover it and use it differently. So the magic systems would would look and behave differently, but they could all be founded on the same principle. So that's where I started. And so far in the series, there I think there are five magic systems. Um, and they, they grow up in different cultures and they kind of look and behave differently, but the reader can kind of stare at them and say, Oh, I get it. I see how it's all tying into resonance. So it kind of started from this idea that grounded in um, sound um, but then I wanted to do something a little bit more than that. So I said, look, um, a, a lot of the idea of an attack, a magical attack, is the transference of energy kind of, you know, through through space from a point A to point B, and it traverses that space in some way. Um, and that's how part of the magic system I've built operates as well. And 
I kind of developed this thing akin to ether that I called aramol, uh, a sort of a fifth um, element that allows for this transfer kind of anywhere. But um, I also wanted to do something, and I needed something, frankly, that would allow for ma- magic to have effect at a great distance, like a thousand leagues, right? So, so far away that you'd never hear it. Um, if, for instance, you're using the the music magic system, which is one of many in my series. And for that, I, I kind of premised it on the idea of quantum entanglement, which is the, simul- the simultaneous stirring of two things that are bilocated. And, you know, this is a real principle. We can, uh, we can see it happening. We don't 100% know how that's happening. Um, but it, so what I did is I just borrowed that. I fused it together with the idea of resonance. So for me, in, in my world, resonance means um, the ability to, you know, touch or contact or destroy or attack whatever with magic through space or simultaneously at, at, a, at a distance. And, um, you know, as you read through the books, you kind of see them using the magic to do these kinds of things in various ways. Yeah, I, I really love the magic system. Uh, it's re- I like unique magic systems. I mean, that's kind of one of the things that really sparked my interest in Brandon Sanderson's uh, you know, Mistborn series because it was so vastly different than the traditional magic I've been used to in all the other fantasy books. And this is just, it's right down that alley. It really caught my attention, and I, and I really love it and like the idea. So, no, awesome. Cool. Yeah, thanks. Brandon's definitely a master of magic. Yeah. World I I don't know how he does it. It's it's crazy. I've talked to him several times and just you know, like with Steelheart, you know, it was because someone almost cut him off. The idea just like sparked and bloomed. It's it's just amazing how his, his mind works. So, um and in writing's not as easy as a lot of people think. Oh, you know, you just sit down and write. I mean, there's it's it's really a labor of love to be honest. Yeah, it is. You know, um, it's done typically in solitary and it really, I think has to be done. um, Stephen King says, and he does it with the idea in mind that if he can please himself, there's a good chance he'll please someone else, but you kind of do it for yourself first. Cause if you're not enjoying it, if you're not, uh, if you don't enjoy story creation, um uh you know the it's you don't just sit down and make money you know um it just doesn't work that way and frankly the writers i think who for whom that's the motivation it's it's kind of transparent it's it's easy to see um they're usually friend followers um yeah i just the 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 fiction or the the voice is usually affected or forced so uh yeah, and then the, a writer who takes the time to really, you know, develop the world and build magic systems, like, you do this kind of thing because you enjoy it. Um, so I agree 100%. It's kind of a, a labor of love endeavor. Nice. So let's kind of – I'm going to kind of maybe change this a bit and, uh, you know, kind of ask you more personal questions. What was the first book that you ever read that kind of pulled you into the fantasy uh realm and does that kind of got you to where you are you are now well the first the, the, for me that's actually two there's two answers 
because um, you kind of asked two questions there. The first is the first fantasy book I ever read that kind of whet my appetite for fantasy was sort of Shannara by okay. uh, Terry Brooks. Um, a lot of people call that a Tolkien clone. Um, and, you know, someone can make that argument for sure. You can make the counter argument uh, if you want to. Um, and part of that counter argument is that Terry's gone on to write something like 35 straight New York Times bestsellers. So he's not a fluke, right? It's not a no. copycat syndrome with Terry. Um, after I read that, though, I went away from popular fiction entirely for a long time. I was in high school and I was reading mostly canonized English literature. And when I came back to popular fiction, I actually did that by way of Stephen King. And um, it was his collection called Night Shift, actually, that oh, kind of sparked sense. my imagination. Yeah, it's a fantastic collection of short fiction. Um, and then I got on kind of a binge with Stephen King and other horror writers, actually, for quite a long time. And it was it was that at that point that I started to write. And the first things I wrote were, you know, short stories that were in the vein of Stephen King and Ray Bradbury. And then, um, you know, it was later, and I for my first novel was actually a horror novel. It wasn't until I kind of sat down to write my second novel that I went back to fantasy. And that was what, that ultimately became the first book of this series. Nice. Yeah, I love Stephen King. Uh, definitely enjoyed several of his his older novels. I, I loved it when he wrote under uh, you know the pen name Richard Bachman, uh, with like mm-hmm. The Running Man and Maximum Overdrive. Those were great. So yeah, yeah. And, All right. And with with King, what's interesting is um, I think some of his very best stuff isn't. He, all of his horror, well, not all of it. Most of his horror is kind of quiet horror. It's more about dread and terror, and not terribly explicit. But even among his other stuff, um, if you read things like Different Seasons that has the body, which became Stand By Me or Shawshank Redemption, those there's, those aren't horror stories at all. Um, no. And those are, I mean, those are absolutely beautiful stories. So, Well, yeah, and, and, and you know, talking with people, they're actually, when I talk with them about Shawshank Redemption, they're really surprised that that's actually one of his novels. Uh, not a lot <laughs> of people know that. That's right. Yeah. yeah. But so hey, uh, where here, about your uh, creative process? When you're sitting down to write the book, do you listen to your music? Um, do you have to have it completely silent? What's what's that whole process like? You know, it's a it's a pretty um, it's actually pretty widely misunderstood about me because I'm so passionate about music and I'm a music creator. Uh, the assumption is always that I do listen to music when I write, but actually I don't. Um, my office is pretty quiet, and it's early in the morning, so it's pretty quiet. Um, I don't need to write that way. I mean, I could be at a Starbucks and write, and I have done that. Um, uh, but typically, I, you know, just my my ha- my habit is in the morning before I go to work. Uh, so most days and most weekends, I'm here. If I'm on the road, of course, I'll get up and write wherever. Still, usually early in the morning. Uh, But the reason I don't listen to music, uh, I've heard some writers say, well, I can listen to instrumental, but I can't listen to music that has vocals in it because then I I hear words and that's a distraction. But for me, even instrumental music is a distraction. Music for me is not a background thing. Music requires my attention. Um, If I'm at the supermarket and there's music, you know, over the 
over the you know PA or, or or whatever sound system they've got, it will draw my attention, and I'll be that guy holding up my phone and and launching Shazam so I can understand what song they're playing. Um, it's it's just for me it's an yeah I mean or I'm singing myself which always embarrasses my family, but it's um I you know it it it's for me it's an active thing. Um, I, I'm not a huge fan of background music. If it's on, I'm paying attention to it. Um, and so much so sometimes it's like it actually annoys me if, you know, if music's on and people are are trying to divide my attention from it. So, no, absolutely. I, I can't write and listen to music. I have noticed that when I write and listen to music, depending on what song I'm listening to, it completely changes the mood of my film. Oh, yeah. Like it'll go from being something like really sweet and dramatic to like an action packed film, just depending on what pops up on the iPod. <laughs> so yeah, I, I can definitely understand why you wouldn't want to listen to music while you're writing. It, it changes the consistency. I feel like. No, and I, well, I understand. I know, uh, go, go ahead. ahead. I was just gonna say well, I, I gonna completely say... understand. Uh, just because, you know. You know, people, uh, you know, it's like when I'm getting ready to go to sleep, people are like, oh, just put put some music on. You know, my brain starts getting super active and I start picking out the beats and which instruments are going off. Yep. Um, so it's definitely not like, oh, yeah, it's calming. It's like, no, I'm starting to, like, pick it apart. And, and so I can understand why you wouldn't want to have that playing while you're writing. A good friend of mine, um, <clears throat> Megan Lindholm, who writes as Robin Hobb, she'll... she'll um, put on she and i share uh, some music tastes and one of the bands we both like quite a lot is a band by the name of nightwish and they're very uh, cinematic a lot of the music's very cinematic um and there's a lot of or- orchestral uh arrangement to it in, in addition to the guitar work and i mean it's power metal it's you know scandinavian power metal and she'll um she'll put on nightwish when she does battle scenes because she knows that it's you know, it 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 it'll evince emotions that are consistent with what she's trying to achieve. So I get all of that, and hey, when that works for a writer, they should totally do it. I just I you know if I turned it on, I would just stop writing and I would just listen. That's just but that's just me. That makes sense for a music a musician because you are one that studies music and enhances it and pays attention to it. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, you know, and I um I don't begrudge anybody who uh you know, has a different process, but um cause whatever works, you know, I mean, when people find their process, they should go with it if it works. Uh but yeah, I'm uh I'm one of those I'm one of those so there's soup people who are foodies, you know, with food. I'm like that with music and music of all kinds. I love I love um standards and all the the uh, you know, the, the jazz uh, players. Um, I love a lot of Broadway music, so I listen really to a lot of different things. The only thing I don't seem to listen a lot to is EDM music, um, and I contend that the reason is because I'm not much of a dancer, but okay. there you go. So, Peter, one thing that we do on the show when we have our guests call in for their interviews is we have something called Master of the Geeks where we sit you down and basically go over 10 geek questions and have you answer them as fast as you can, and then we put you out there with the rest and compare you with all our interviews. Well, 
put you on a leaderboard with him in a way. You up to playing a little okay. bit of Master of the Geeks with us? Sure. All right. I'm going to start you out with one that I think would be uh, right down your alley with where you work. Uh, my The first question I have for you is, can you name two creatures from the Gears of War series? Oh, man. I should be able to, but I can't. My geek cred's going down already. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Strike one. Okay. Uh, you guys grab... I thought if you'd asked me Halo, I would have gotten that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All what's right, the I next go. question, guys? All right. Two characters from Fables. Say that one again. Two characters from Fables. Any of the Fables. The Fables so are, the we talk- game? are we talking yeah. video game or like old Fables? It's old fables, I believe. Oh, okay. Okay, so, all right. Um, Oh, man. It's been so long since I played. I haven't played the new ones either. I'm going to fail at this one, too. You're killing me. So not video game fable. Like fables as in the Brothers Grimm, like the Grimm's or any of the old, old fable stories. Oh, I thought you were talking about. Um, Fable the video game on Xbox. Oh, oh, this is Fable novel, like old stuff. Okay. I was going to say that would be a oh. tough question. Um, okay. Um, let's see. Probably uh, probably Rumpelstiltskin. All right. I don't know if he qualifies for you, yeah, but that, I love that. That's what one that I does. got. I love that that one. And, um, you know, I don't know if this made it into uh, into the Grimm Brothers canon, but um, uh, the uh, the Green Knight uh, would be probably probably one that I mean, I read the the original um, work when I was in. Uh, my coursework in in English, and uh, you know it's all it's all. I think that's Edmund Spencer. Am I getting that right? Um, uh, and I just I adored it. So, and I, I don't know if the Grimm brothers ever did anything with that one, but I'll that's the one that, one that that one's a good one. I go back and read that all the time. So, all right. Uh, so nice. let's go to the next question. Name two westerns that were on or television westerns. Two television westerns, um, Bonanza, all right, and Little House on the Prairie. All righty, we'll give you that. Yeah, Jess, you got one. Uh, yeah, sure, I got one. one. It's, it's pretty easy. We'll we'll let you have an easy one for once. How about that? Um, <laughs> okay. What was the actual working title of Return of the Jedi? That's easy. Should I give him multiple <laughs> choice on this one? I would give him multiple choice. The Return choice. of the Jedi. <laughs> Star Wars 3. Well, the the first one was Revenge of the Jedi. Yeah, well. Right? And they couldn't do, use that because. That's re- correct. Re- that's, that's, that is correct. That's correct. That I was trying correct. to trip you up and I was going to say Blue Harvest. But, yeah, you got it. You got he it. You got it. <laughs> All right, next. All right. Four two video down. games that take place in the 19th century. Video games that take place in the 19th century. Um, 
Let's see. You guys are good at these questions. Let's see. Um, well, um, shoot, I almost said Call of Duty, but that would be wrong because that's the 20th century, right? Yeah. Um, 19th century. Wow, that's the 1800s. Um, I'm drawing that was a blank half on the title that. of a game that came out not on Xbox, but on the other one. 18. We'll not say the name. <laughs> um, let's keep going, and I, but I'm going to keep stewing on that one. On the, right. I, I, I feel like they're in the, my, my hindbrain, and I just can't call them forth. Okay. Yeah, we'll pass Scott. on that one. Let's move to the next one. Um. All right. I'll throw. I'll throw uh, you got it, Scott, or you want me to yep, just throw okay. out one real quick? Okay. Two films that take place in Chicago. Um. Well, there's the there's the um film version of the musical Chicago. Yep. Um, okay. Place yep. in Chicago. And then, um. Let's see, no, Untouchables was New York. Um, dum, dum, dum. What about um, um, oh, dang it. It's right there. It's a De Niro film, I think. Um, Hello to your little friend. <laughs> yeah, no, but that one's that one's in Miami, isn't it? Yeah, that one's in Chicago. Miami, <laughs> no, no, the, the, I was thinking of the of an, another mob film that I think De Niro was in that was set in Chicago, but I might be wrong. Um, and now my mind's going to um, going back to baseball. Um, there was a Cubs film that was made. Um, that I think it was about a kid who inherits inherits the team, and I can't remember the name of it. That's another one. Let me think on that, and I'll come back to the title. I'll, I'll get that one. Okay. Well, you've got one of those down. So, all right, let's move to the next question. And I actually have a giant list of movies that are in Chicago, so we we can always reference back to that. Um, let's see. Name two correctional facilities that appear in comic books. Two correctional facilities. Um, well, is it is one is at least one of them uh, Arkham Asylum? Yep, oh, yeah. that is one. Um, and. Oh, I feel like I read, this might date me, I feel like I read when I was a kid a comic book that was set, um, had an escape from Alcatraz. Um, I, will I can't remember the that. name of the comic. Yep. Okay. That That is in the comic book, so I will count that. All right. All right, I got one. What is the name of the metal that is grafted to Wolverine's bones? Um... I think it's adamantium, isn't it? 
That Ooh. is correct. Yay. All right. All right. Six films based off television shows. Ouch. Six. Okay, let's see. Um, Wild Wild West. Will Good. Smith. Yep. <laughs> I would have counted um, that for Western, too. <laughs> oh, there you go. Um, let's see. Hold on a second. Yes. Um, let's see what else we got. Um, a Brady Bunch movie. <laughs> yep. Okay. Oh, that's pretty geeky to know that. Um, the Starsky and Hutch movie. Yep. Yep. Um, let's see. Uh, <laughs> the um, Charlie's Angels movie. Yeah. All right. How many have I got? Is that three or four? Yeah, four. That's four. That's four. Um, let's see. We've got um, does it does it count uh, if we do um, um, like su- um, superheroes that started as cartoons? Sure, we'll count those. Because there's the um, there's the oh I don't think it's come out yet, but there's Flash that's coming out, right? Oh, they're yeah, making a we'll Flash movie. Yep. And uh, Flash was on. Well, I remember watching Flash when I was a kid. And then um, Superman. Yep. We'll those count those. Because Superman right. was in the Justice League. So there you go. Yep. Yep. All right. And since we'll, we'll wrap the last question up. This is pretty simple. From what house is Superman from? The What Kryptonian house? Um, oh, dang it. Um, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Superman because I just think he's way too powerful. Um, that's fine. <laughs> what is it? It's right there. Um, it's always that one thing where you smack your forehead. You're like, oh, that's right. I know this is going to be one of those for sure. If I don't get this, um, <laughs> uh, oh, it's just failing me, and I hate to keep dragging it out while we're on the air. So I'm going to have to pass on that one. All right. I know I'm going to kick myself. Don't worry. Okay. So it would be the House of L. Yep. Oh. All right. <laughs> See, I told you, kick yourself. Um, okay. So, all right. Now, did you want to come back to the the Chicago one real quick? Because you you only need one more on that, and then there was the uh, the one from the 1800s. Yeah. Um. The Chicago one. Um. Uh, it's right there. I can I can even see the scene with that's got De Niro in it, and it's just not coming. I thought it would come back to me. Um, what was the other question that I passed on? 
video uh, games that take place in the 19th century. There's actually two being released in 2015 that took place in the 19th century. One's already released really? on PlayStation 4, and the other one comes out in November, I think. Dang it. Yeah, that one that one I'd have to think a while to get. So I'll, All right. I'll, I'll just have to pass on that one. But the the movie one, man, this this one's gonna kill me because I can see the scene in my head. Um and I I can't I just can't draw forward the thing. Um and the baseball movie, um oh man, it was with the I think it was with the Cubs. Okay, well, I wasted enough of your time trying to remember. I'm just going to give it to you. We're going to give it to you because you at least answered one. All right, so with that said, <laughs> you missed three out of ten questions. Not too bad at all. Um, but, wow, it's amazing how many movies are actually in Chicago, uh, based in Chicago. So, um, kind of wrap this up. You have a list you know, I'm curious what some of them are. Yeah, we'll spit them out afterwards. Um, but what... Where can our listeners find your books? Is it pretty much anywhere books are sold because you are going through tour, or is it kind of a, a limited release? No, they yeah they they can get it pretty much any bookstore, Barnes and Noble, um, um, books. I think there's a chain called Books a Million, um, independent bookstores for sure would have it. And if they prefer to order online, they can get it at Amazon or BarnesandNoble.com or any of those places too. Is it available in ebook and audiobook as well? It is, yeah. Very nice. And uh is there any conventions or book signings you're gonna be at uh real soon that our listeners can find you at? I'm gonna be at um Salt Lake Comic Con. Um gonna be at San Diego Comic Con. I'll nice. be at New York Comic Con. Um there's also one in I think it's called Rose Comic Con. I think it's in Portland. Uh, and yeah, those. Oh, maybe Gen Con. Although, I, my company, I may end up having to go to a, uh, an industry show for for gaming called Gamescom, which is in Cologne, Germany, um, yeah. during Gen Con. So nice. I'll be sad to miss Gen Con, but I will be at, at the world's largest gaming. Um, show, so I'll probably be okay with that. If you yeah, have room in your suitcase, I, I, I'll try to climb in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's huge, man. They get something like 350,000 people at this wow. convention, and it's all kinds of... It's video games primarily, and even primarily PC video games. It's like that's the the sharper focus. No. Well, that's because I'm doing more about Quantum Break, which I'm excited for. Yeah. Yeah, like I that's see that's one one of those games that's got a, a strong narrative element, which I think is really cool. Um, so yeah, we've got a lot of we've actually got a really strong set of games for Xbox coming out this year. Um, some that are announced and some that aren't. So uh, we're feeling you know we're feeling pretty good, and I think there's a lot for gamers to look forward to. Nice, that's super exciting. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show and taking your time with us tonight and talking about uh, your book. Um, we'd love yeah. to have you back on any time uh, with your future books that are coming out and novels or, you know, 
you just want to come on the show and talk about Xbox and stuff like that, which you probably can't, but, you know. Uh, you know the invitation N- is there. NDAs. Yeah. you got to love them. Uh, but, yeah, <laughs> yeah we'd we'll we'll love to have you back on anytime. Hey, I, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Again, apologies for being a little late there. Um, but there's – there's uh, maybe we can connect offline and I can shoot some ideas at you that's there's all kinds of topics that um, I'm super passionate about, and I'm glad right. to uh, pitch those to you, and de- you can decide if you think they're interesting. Because I think that the discussion on this kind of stuff is a lot of fun and valuable um, with folks, you know, like you guys who um, are actually fostering the conversation. So, so yeah, I, I really I, appreciate I, it. Yeah, I'll definitely uh, send a message your way after the show, and we'll, we'll talk. That sounds great. Awesome. Well, cool. Thanks again, and have a wonderful evening. Hey, thanks, Peter. All right, you guys too. Yeah, thanks have a good so much. All right, Peter. Okay, bye bye, everyone. This is really a, a fun, fun book. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed it, and it's. I really like the magic system. That's one of those things that I always. I always look at the magic system. You know, a lot of magic out there is just basic, and this is something different and exciting. So, all right. Well, uh, we got that out of the way. You know, Peter scored seven out of ten. I honestly. To read over the entire list of all the movies based in Chicago would take me a, almost a two-hour show. There are a total of 270 locations, mm-hmm. just films that have been made within the last 15 years. Wow. Um, just like five of them or something? That's... Sure. You know, I'll, just, I'll spit out like five. So uh, Home Alone was set in Chicago. Oh, that's right. Really? Uh, I didn't know that. The New Grudge York. 2. So I guess he takes yeah. a trip to New York. Who, yeah. Home Alone, the second uh, one. Yeah, The Grudge 2, Airplane, with the exclamation point, is set <laughs> in Chicago. Baby's Day Out, Backdraft, Bad Boys, um, Barbershop. Uh, wow. Let's see, Jupiter Ascending. Oh. No, that's not true. Chicago. Yep, it's, it's listed as that. Blues Brother 2000, The Blues Brothers, uh, yeah. the first one, Captain Ron, Carrie, the original 1952 film. Huh. Um, wow. Uh, let's see, Little Fockers is set in <laughs> Chicago. So basically you could have said any film, and we'll find oh, Yeah, it. Child's Play <laughs> is set in Chicago. Uh, Mercury Rising... Uh, I mean, there, you know, Omen There's Two. There's a rising and ascension going on in Chicago. <laughs> I know, in Chicago. National Lampoon's Vacation. They start in Chicago. <laughs> Christmas Vacation. Oh, that's right. European Vacation. Those all start in Chicago. Oh, the Negotiator. That's a really great Kevin Spacey and uh, Samuel L. Jackson movie. Yeah, that One of my favorites, awesome. actually. Uh, yeah, I mean, I can keep going. You know, Eagle Eye with Shia LaBeouf. Um, Pet Cemetery. <laughs> Yeah, it the list keeps going. Was in Chicago? Yeah. I did so, not know that. So, all right. Well, uh, we've only got about 15 minutes left of the show, folks. Um, nice thing about we're doing faster, quicker shows. Uh, I hope you've noticed. Um, we talked some, some geek stuff. There's a lot of exciting stuff co- going on. Once again, as always, we broadcast live from uh, Gamers Inn. Located in Lehigh, Utah. Uh, that is in as I-N-N, and I know there has been some con- con- 
Confusion. Uh, they are doing a few Magic the Gathering Splendor tournaments. They have one on June 16th, the 18th, and the 20th. Uh, check out their website, Gamers in Lehigh. That's Gamers in I N N Lehigh dot com. Um, and they've got some great prizes. So if you're interested in that, uh, the grand prize is a Splendor Playmat, and each winner of the night will get a set of premium gem tokens. So. Uh, come support them. They give us a wonderful place to be able to broadcast our show from. And if you haven't seen the game store, it's amazing. It looks like an old-time inn, uh, the way they have it set up. So it's definitely pretty awesome. So to kind of wrap up the show, as I, I, you probably didn't get to see it, uh, the uh, Supergirl pilot. I have not seen it yet, okay, so but you have. So I, I, I've watched it. I don't know. Have you two guys watched it yet? No, we did watch it. Yep. Yes, okay. So I don't know. Do we want to hold off until Jess has been able to watch it and then we can talk more? Because then she can throw in the the female perspective. (laughs) Yeah, we might need that to keep it afloat. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be honest, I really liked it. I enjoyed it. But, yeah, I think it would be good to to have that opinion. Hearing that you like it makes me more excited to watch it. Okay. I really enjoyed it. Uh, My kids watched it, and they're like, I have to wait till I mean October. I mean, it, we yeah we have to wait till October before we actually see the series. But I think they did a really good job, and I I'm even okay with the fact that they're discriminating against gingers with their choice of who they have for Jimmy Olsen at this point. You know, well, I mean that's like a total discrimination <laughs> though. <laughs> it's like a huge and, uh, change. It's like I know it, it is it is a huge change because he's. Looks like he played football, and he doesn't look like a scrawny, red-headed, freckled, nerdy camera guy, um, which Jimmy Olsen has always kind of been portrayed as. Um, but oh well. Jimmy Olsen looks like he could actually beat up somebody. <laughs> yeah, this Jimmy Olsen looks like he could actually turn into Cyborg. Um, <laughs> they do it for the ladies, man. Well, no, I, they definitely do. Um and I know they're trying to bring diversity into their comics, so that's not a bad thing. And I think they they did a great job. I really like the one thing that did bug me, um, and we'll talk more about that, um, is kind of how the way they kept referring to a certain character. So uh, we'll wait till you watch it. We'll okay, talk okay. more about it. Uh, is there any other cool topics we want to talk, cover? Because we only got about eleven minutes. I really wanted to talk about the Batman. Batman. Okay. Um, yeah. So yes, uh, the DC uh, animated universe is releasing a new DVD called uh, Gods and Monsters, where they're actually twisting things around. They've taken your favorite characters, and it's kind of an alternate universe. So uh, it wasn't Superman or Kal El that came to Earth. It was actually General Zod sent his son. And so Superman is Zod's son. And then we have a different Batman because he's actually a vampire. Yeah. And then we have a different awesome. Wonder Woman. It, it, um, sounds, it, it sounds weird. It's awesome. It's so dark. Go watch good. the trailer. Um, it's really, you have these darker characters that are trying to be heroes in yeah. this, this world that is just completely against them and all odds are against them and they're trying to make good you know, you do have General Zod's character that, you know, he's got the goatee and it's not your normal Superman. He's like, I've already lost one world. I'm not going to lose another. And right. So he kind of steps up. And then you have Batman that looks weird. Oh, yeah. He looks I didn't even really know who weird. he was until 
you know, halfway through the preview, I was like, oh. Yeah. But DC has done an amazing job with their animated universe. Yeah. Um, everything that's come out has been really, really good. And the other thing is they're trying to, you know, keep it in the same universe so where it's not so splintered as it used to be when it first came out. Yeah. Um, using the same voice actors and everything. So it's going to be interesting to see how well this one is because it's not your traditional no, character. But I think it's going to go very well. Um and I, and I think it's also playing on what they're doing right now with the convergence, where they're trying, they're converging everything, right. um, going out. You know, the new Fifty Two is disappearing; it's going away. And I think this is kind of a great gateway to see what's going on with the convergence, because really, um, I, I looked into that because I'm like, okay, everyone's talking about what is this, um, and the convergence really is, you know, Brainiac is collected all these different realities and he's pulling people out of these realities. So this would make sense for why this why they throw out this movie because like okay, Brainiac just pulled this and is taking a look into this reality and go. Um so it might it could be really cool and it could lead into more things. Yes, viewer beware, it is not child friendly at all. A lot there was quite a bit of language and well, it was very disturbing. I would say a disturbing. lot of their <laughs> animated stuff is it's definitely PG thirteen. It de- this it one is. was very R. It well it says, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. The F bomb was dropped. Yeah. It was dropped. Their their their, their animated series are definitely becoming more adult. They're yeah. not children friendly. Right. Um but I well, excuse me, I wouldn't say completely. I think this one is more focused towards the fans and the adults oh, yeah. than the kids yeah. because let's face it, gods and monsters. Who, mm-hmm. What kids are going to want to watch that? Um, oh, this okay. is the stuff we've Maybe. been waiting for as when we were reading as children. Oh yeah, I, this is a really cool thing about you know the thing is when I was a kid, you know, the coolest thing that we could get for Batman was you know Adam West and Burt Ward, <laughs> you know, squat walking <laughs> the, the floor. Making it look like they're climbing a wall. Uh, we didn't really have that cool. Now you know. Now we have tons of Batman movies that have come flying at us. We've had we've survived the bat nipples. I mean, I, we've got we've survived. We've gotten through the um, Christopher Nolan Batman series. We're getting the new Batman that we'll ben see. Affleck. You know, the Ben Affleck <laughs> at Batman. We'll see how that turns out. But you know. It's been kind of a fun ride seeing this. I mean, I I remember day one going to see Batman starring Michael Keaton, and everyone's like, "What the crap?" I mean, this is Beetlejuice playing Batman, oh, and that splendid. first that first scene where that guy's like, "Who are you, man? Who are you?" and he's like, "I'm Batman." That was just like, oh, <laughs> so. And then it went downhill from there. But that first movie was awesome. Uh. So and it's really cool, you know. And then we had, you know, we had the Christopher Reeves Superman, which was kind of, they were cool in the day, you know. I I do own all of them, but going back and watching them, it's like, oh man, what was I thinking? But well, when it's we getting first better. watched it, it just blew us all away, though. Oh, it did. You know, it was Superman and he was flying and yeah, you know. Now you see, I mean, going back and even watching, uh, you know, Superman Returns. How awesome was that scene? Where he's like, the, the plane's coming crashing down on the uh, 
the baseball field, and you see Superman push up against that to try to, and the whole plane buckles on oh, the yeah. wave. That was amazing. That was yeah. super awesome. And you're like, okay, now I'm really seeing Superman instead yeah. of the weird cheesy wire acting that we had before. And <laughs> you know, he's holding onto an elevator. Hold on, Miss, we're going up. You know, yeah. We yeah. didn't know any better. Or the cheesy line, "I've got you, Miss. You've got me. Who's got you?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> that was a one of the worst lines ever in the movie, but whatever. So I. It's what's really cool, and we're seeing really great superhero movies. Um, and I don't care what other people say out there; they're awesome. They're fun to watch. Yeah, they are fun. You know, uh, even with Mad Max, like everybody was just like, "It's not. There's no story. There's no story." You know what? It was an hour and a half of amazing explosions and practical effects. It's and an it adrenaline so fun. It's yeah. an adrenaline fueled ride. Heart race. It is. Beginning to end, well, and yeah, it may not be the greatest story ever or a story period, mm -hmm. but it was entertaining. It was. It was so good. Yeah. You know what? You know, there is tons of story around it. They just don't know any of it that goes with it. They're taking a two-hour section out of thousands of hours of content. So how could you say that there's any story? Well, see, I think the problem here really is, is those people went in to see Mad Max, and the people that made that movie – Made it based on the fact that you've already seen the other stories. I, right. I, you know, I, I haven't seen it yet, but that's my assumption. You know, they were going off the assumption that the people that were going to go were going because they were fans. They already kind of know some of the back history, and they're just going to have a, a fun ride. Um, and the people that are complaining are the people that are like, they, I, you know, they, they have to know every single thing. Right. You know, it's like, well, why is this character doing this? And why are they doing that? And why is this world this way? Well, you should have gone, you know, go back and watch the other well, movies. What's funny to me is what I've noticed that people that are complaining to me about the film are people that have seen the originals and love the originals. Okay. And so it's it's really strange to me because I'll be honest with you, I, I haven't seen the okay. originals. But I went in and I just... I just enjoyed the film from the standpoint of that it did have so many practical effects and that it it was just it was like being on a roller coaster for an hour and a half. There yeah. was no second where your heart wasn't pumping and you weren't you you felt alive during the film. And that's something really important about movies. For me, yes, I did I actually did feel like the story was it it could have been better. It was a little shallow mm -hmm. uh for me. But it was still a fun ride. I mean, I don't have to have a story while I'm on a roller coaster. Just let me enjoy the experience. You know what I mean? Well, you got to always movies. You always got to go in with a clear perspective. Yeah. You know, every movie is that director's or that screenwriter's interpretation of that story. Mm -hmm. I mean, oh, yeah. you go talk to the hardcore Tolkien or Hobbit fans, and you know, I think the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings movies are great. But if you go talk to them. They're gonna, you know, they will find things to argue right. or moan and groan about because, well, it wasn't just right. Well, that was Peter Jackson's interpretation right. of, of that story, not Tolkien's. Yeah. Or even yours. I mean, I go to read a book, and you guys could read the same book, and it's complete. We've seen it in a completely different right. light, and I think that's the way with any movie. You gotta even viewing it. You know, I'm gonna view it differently than you're gonna view it, or or Scott or um, Savart's gonna view it because I see things differently, or and you that. That's the same thing with the Supergirl thing. That's why you know, right. your input's valuable because you're going to see it differently than we will. Cause Absolutely. Because I'm a woman. You're a woman. In general. Yeah. Very differently. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
But it is awesome that you love the explosions and just, you know all the other crazy maddening oh, yeah. stuff. So, all right, that makes me we feel are better about. That. Yeah. Okay, so we are pretty much out of time, folks. Uh, tune in next week. We will be live from Jordan Commons talking to Jonathan Martin about Film Quest, which is an amazing uh, local uh, film festival. That it is local, but it is local, but it is it is, it is they have submission from uh, worldwide. Yeah, we'll be talking to him, probably Josh Patel, talking to him about how they put this together, what goes into it, and maybe more. Who knows? They may pull someone from from the crowd that you may know or have seen on the big screen. Uh, so, with that said, tune in as always. Uh, check us out on Facebook uh, at facebook.com slash Dungeon Crawlers Radio or at DCR underscore show on Twitter. Like us, follow us. Get your friends to like us and follow us. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff showing up and some amazing things that we're going to be rolling out on the show. And and if, you know, if there is something that you want to hear or see on the show, email us at info at DungeonCrawlersRadio.com. Your voice is valuable and uh, we'll definitely hear it. So, uh, you guys you. got anything else to draw? Nope. No, I think we're good. All right. Until then, uh, goodbye, Salt Lake. Goodbye, world, and get more from your games, and we'll see you next week. Keep going.